Hey folks, welcome to Cosmic Guidance for All. I'm Kira, I'm your host, um, and we have a really fun episode for you today. It's an Ask Kira episode. I have my good friend Amber J here to answer questions with me. Um, but before we hop into it, I just have a little housekeeping um, up at the top. <laughs> First, uh, where where do I start? I don't know. I think I'm going to just start by plugging um, my membership, Joe's House. It's a really fun virtual space to connect with other astrologers and um, get some extra get some time with me, I guess. So basically, I host a reading swap every month um, on the first Sunday of every month where you can be paired up with another member and enjoy a reading swap, give each other readings. Um, and then we also do a community gathering every month where um, I kind of just talk to you guys about the astrology and then I put you into smaller groups and you can connect one on, not one-on-one, -on -one, but like, you know, in groups of three or four with other astrologers. And um, yeah, you have prompts, you get questions. Yeah, I have give you prompts to answer with other astrologers and you get to just speak the language. It's, I think a lot of us um, have run into the issue where we become obsessed with astrology, but we don't really have anyone to talk to about it. Um, Amber, I'm sure you've experienced that before. It's 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 common. It's a common astrologer nerd, astrology nerd type of thing. So that's why I created Job's House. It's a space where you can actually talk to other astrology nerds, speak the language, all of that. Um, you also get access to my private Instagram feed at Job's House, um, and I do private lives and you know just kind of answer questions there as well. So there's a lot of fun stuff in Job's House, and it's only eleven dollars a month. So. Um, it's, it's open, doors are open. You can go to kira.world slash join and join there. Um, the only other thing I have to plug, I think I'm like trying to think if there's anything else. Um, you know, I guess just to say thanks for tuning in as always, it's always, um, it's just always really cool to, to get feedback about, the show and that you guys love it. And I appreciate it more than, you know, um, to help the show grow. Cause I, that's, that's the plan, right? Um, <laughs> to help the show grow, you can write us a review on Apple podcasts. It's like, it means a lot when you write a review, um, writing review, rating us five stars, um, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you know, subscribe, hit that like button, all the things. Leave us a little comment. You guys have been on the internet. You guys get what what it takes to kind of um, help a show grow with engagement and all of that. So the more you do that, the more I'm able to show up and um, produce this show for you guys, which I love to do. So there's that. And then oh, follow us on Instagram at Cosmic Guidance for All. Um, and finally, we're going to hop into it and you'll see some charts on your screen. If you're watching on YouTube, um, potentially, yeah, you're, if you see the charts and you're like, Ooh, those are pretty, where did you get those charts from? Um, <laughs> I use a software called Luna astrology. It's at lunaastrology.com. Um, 
and it's really affordable and it's really pretty and that's why I like it. <laughs> so if you are interested, I you can get 10% off of your um, the first year of your, of your subscription um, just by using my code Kira, K-I-R-A-H at checkout. checkout. You can also go to kira.world slash links and there'll be a direct link with the discount already pre-filled in. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. I'm going to introduce my good friend, Amber, Amber J. Amber J lights the way. Um, my Aries moon sister. So happy to have you here. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell the people what you do and yeah, all that. Okay. Uh, my name is Amber J. You can find me at Amber J, like J-A-Y. Amber J lights the way. Um, I'm a Cancer Sun, Cancer Rising, Aries Moon. I personally love that combination. Um, I have been a consulting astrologer for, how old am I? For over six years now. Um, and I've been studying astrology since I was a kid. So at least, at least 15 years. Um, nobody needs to know my whole government age out here. But um, yes, I um, specialize in uh, helping people understand themselves, helping people understand, you know, the direction um, that's good for them to go in or that feels good for them to go in. Um, and a little bit of compatibility relationship astrology here and there. Um, but my favorite thing to do is to get people in on practical astrology, like how you mentioned, like, um, it's Wednesday, it's Mercury Day, it's like the days of the week, you know, the hours and, you know, what the planets are doing in the sky, how they're affecting you on your daily life to make your day a little bit better. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's me. Awesome. And yeah, Amber wrote horoscopes for cusp and we had cusp going. Mm -hmm. Which ones were you writing again? I was writing Leo through Scorpio rising. Okay. Yeah. So Leo rising, Virgo rising, Libra rising, and Scorpio rising, Amber was writing. So if you if you had cusp and you have one of those rising signs, you can thank Amber for those awesome daily horoscopes. Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited to get into these questions. The theme today is um, career and purpose, that type of thing. Lots of different types of career questions. So um, yeah, let's hop into it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. So I wanted to start out with this question um, that's kind of general. It's from Yaralis Garcia, and they ask, I talk a lot about purpose and how we as humans and earth must have one or we are lost. Would love a breakdown on the North Node and the South Node and how it correlates with destiny or purpose. Look forward to the podcast. Um, and they gave their birth info. It's January 10th, 1989, 9.15 p.m. in Ponce, Puerto Rico. Um, that gives them a Virgo rising um, with Mercury in Aquarius in the sixth house as the chart ruler. Their Capricorn sun um, in the fifth house with the big Capricorn stellium. But the topic of this um, being the north node and south node, it's worth it to note that they have um, – First, their moon is exactly on the descendant in Pisces, and they have their north node, um, the moon conjunct the north node in Pisces on the descendant, south node on the ascendant in Virgo. So this person was born on um, with the nodal axis rising, 
um, exactly on the ascendant and the descendant. Um, and they, yeah, they want to know our perspective on purpose and destiny as it relates to the North Node and South Node. Um, I think this is a really good one to get us started. So yeah, do you have, do you want to start off, Amber, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely have thoughts. Like my first thought is, of course, a person with this chart would ask this question <laughs> exactly <laughs> the way you worded it. Um, a person with this chart with, like you're saying, the nodal axis rising, like purpose is a big deal in their life, like a bigger deal than like people who have the nodes that don't really touch anything. You know, it's like kind of the way that they are living and being themselves and embodying themselves like because of that conjunction has to go with the purpose, the purpose and who they are and their fate and their destiny and the moon, <laughs> the emotions mm -hmm. and, you know, them being themselves is all embodied into one thing. One can't express without the other because they're almost at the exact same spot. Um, so first of all, if you feel like purpose is a big deal in your life, when you have this chart, you are right. You're correct. Um, absolutely. It is. The astrology says so. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but in terms of the North node and the South node, in my opinion, like in general, you know, the North node is just to put it plainly i know that a lot of astrology lovers listen to this podcast but just to you know put in was it layman's terms um the north node is basically what you're supposed to sort of be working towards the energy that you're supposed to be embodying um more of in this life and then the south node is the energy that you sort of have to uh like let go of the negative expressions of it said that in a past life you already sort of embodied the south node and so you're kind of carrying it into this life um, and you got a little comfortable. So now it's time to move towards the North Node so that you can grow. Um, so in terms of like destiny or purpose, the way I see the North Node is, how do I say? Because destiny and purpose are two different, different things. Sorry. So the way I see it as purpose, your purpose is to embody that the those you know good traits of the North Node. The catch is that they're it's a little uncomfortable for you to embody those North Node traits. Like that's the whole thing about it. Because if it was like so easy, you just look at the North Node and be like, oh, like it's in Scorpio, might as well just act a little Scorpionic. But no, that's not how it is. It's usually a, a kind of a vulnerable point to, for someone to um, embody their North Node, and then. As far as the South Node, your purpose is to sort of see where, you know, it might be those traits of whatever sign it's in can be like holding you back a little bit um, or keeping you complacent and learn how to um, basically, you know, move outside of your comfort zone in regards to those specific traits. As far as destiny, though, because that's different. Destiny is like, it's what you're meant to do. It's like something that's like, you know, uh, destined to happen in your life. For that, I don't just look at the sign of the North Node and the South Node, but I also really look at the house because I think that's really um, <clears throat> helpful to to see what sort of like arena of life um, your purpose is going to or your destiny is going to fall into. So for example, like if you have your North Node, like in the fourth house, you are destined to deal with things, to grow through things that have to do with the fourth house, like family, comfort, 
um, roots, settling down, uh, figuring out who you are at your core, like things like that. Um, and then your destiny on the flip side with the south node being um, in the 10th house is to let go of things surrounded surrounding the 10th house, like career expectations or uh, having uh, big dreams that aren't really rooted in like who you are, but more so rooted in like achievement or proving to other people that you are, you know, good at uh, achieving things. It's like, no, like it's more about the flip side of it. So, so yeah, that, that would be my explanation. Sorry, I had a lot to say about that one. No, I love that. Yeah. It's funny. I, when it comes to the nodes, there typically are a lot of different like viewpoints on it, I think, because it is such a it's it comes from a more Vedic practice. I think, you know, Vedic Eastern astrologers typically have used, you know, historically have used the nodes um, in particular ways, but more modern astrology, especially evolutionary astrology, have um, their perspective on the nodes tends to be different. It tends to be a little bit more like Amber um, stated where there's it, it tends to be a little bit more tied to evolution and, you know, uh, previous lifetimes, current lifetimes, what you're moving towards, all of that. Um, that's certainly my, uh, my background and how I first learned about the nodes. I typically, I think where I'm at now with the nodes, the North Node and South Node, and how they relate to the chart, I look at them as points of patterning, in particular, the South Node um, representing the patterning that are soul level patterning, right. That our, our souls are just very used to at this point. It's familiar. It's, um, yeah, it's familiar. And so you can look at that as, you know, the energy that you entered into this lifetime with the patterning that you entered into this lifetime with, if you're not really into reincarnation, (laughs) you know, that type of, that type of, um, point of view, you can look at it as just like the patterning that tends to play out early in life because it's both. It'll play out early in your life as well. Um, and then the North Node will represent the patterning that our souls aren't familiar with, right? So it's what we are, again, on a soul level sort of craving and um, needing more experience in. And so that's kind of how I look at it. And it's almost like that is what your soul is hoping to, that's the patterning that you're hoping to encode in this lifetime. Um, The South Node just being, again, what we're already familiar with. Um, Astrologer Sam Reynolds, my good friend, uh, Scorpio, pretty much my chart twin. (laughs) Um, he, He has talked about the nodes in a way I think that's really helpful in that um, sort of relating into the right and the left hand or your primary, the dominant hand versus the non-dominant hand. And that south node is like riding with your dominant hand. And it's just kind of like natural. It's easy. You don't really have to think about it. Um, whereas kind of engaging your north node is like learning to write with your non-dominant hand. Are y'all getting this? This, and- is, this, is, this is gold. This is, this is a perfect expression <laughs> of what this is. It really is. I mean, Sam, I think he spoke on this at some conference, I think maybe Norwalk 2020. Uh, I remember it was it was in 2020. Um, but yeah, it was such a great analogy, I think. So thinking about the nodes sort of as patterning, at least that's how I do it. Um, 
And then when it comes to like, yeah, purpose and fate, again, a lot of astrologers, specifically like more modern evolutionary based astrologers, um, look at the nodes as these points of destiny or fated events. And um, I don't know about destiny. I guess destiny and fate are kind of intertwined, but I certainly do look at the nodes as these points where fated events can occur. Um, specific, I mean, they're eclipse points, right? Like this is these are the points where eclipses take place. So, um, of course, we're looking at you know these sort of big moments of change or you know fate, you could say. Um, let me go back to the question so I make sure I'm answering it. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Now I know. Um, what I wanted to say about this. So I was actually talking to a client recently about this. And I personally think that the concept of having a purpose is a very diurnal concept. Um, and I think it's I funny agree. that this I person agree. asked the question <laughs> because they are a night chart and they have like almost all of their planets. Uh, not all. Yeah. Most of their planets are subterranean. They have their Jupiter um, in the ninth and their, their Mars and Aries in the eighth. But pretty much everything else is beneath the horizon. This, the moon would have is literally right there on the horizon line, um, a minute underneath the horizon. So anyway, I, I was talking to my also night chart client about this because they were just saying like, I don't feel like I want to have a purpose. Like, what if I don't want to have a career? What if I just want to like live? And I'm like, yes, as you should. I personally, <laughs> I personally like don't think that humans need a purpose. That's just, that's my, per that's my personal. I agree. And that's only because I, I, I just don't think that, I think that being alive is your purpose. Like yes. if you're here, if you're breathing, even if you're only alive for two, two seconds, two yeah. minutes, like that is, that that's the purpose, like that's your purpose. It's sort of wrapped up into being a human being. And so it doesn't really need to be much else outside of that. I really but at the agree. same time, I understand that people have that <laughs> people have that that feeling of like I have this is my purpose or right this is my destiny or or even that craving for purpose or destiny I can completely understand that um I I have that too I've I, you know I've I've run into times in my life where I've felt that way at least or or craved it at least um, which I, again, I think is very diurnal. I think for you, this person asking this question, Yaralis, um, having a million planets in Capricorn <laughs> ruled by Saturn in Capricorn, I think that's probably where this this notion of purpose and needing a purpose comes from. Um, it, it just feels again, it's very diurnal. Which Saturn is a diurnal planet, so to me, that's yeah. I just can't help but say that. <laughs> Like it, it's not, I don't, I don't think everyone needs to feel like they have a purpose. And I think that it's kind of harmful and I'm not saying anything bad about this person for asking this question. I love this question because it's asked a lot. Um, and I really appreciate the question, but I think it can be harmful to impose that on society or, you know, the populace that everyone should have a purpose and should be working towards a purpose. Um, because not everyone has that. And I think especially night charts, especially people born at night who um, I believe your quote unquote purpose as a night chart person um, is more related to connecting on a physical, material, emotional, relational level 
Um, I think night chart people have this like beautiful ability to, again, connect with their locality, connect with their people, um, and to serve the people around them. Whereas diurnal, and again, that's purpose, right? But that I, the concept of having like a external purpose, something outside of yourself is so diurnal. It is so day chart. It's so Saturn, Jupiter, sun. Um, and again, I'm also not saying that only day chart people can have these like big career dreams either, but it's just that you tend to see that more with diurnal people who are like kind of achieving, looking to achieve something that's more public or more external, or that's going to affect more people than just like their community or their, you know, familiar, familiar locality type spaces. <sighs> okay. <laughs> do you, yeah. How do you feel about that? No, I completely, I, I completely agree. That's the thing. Like, I think, okay, the first thing that comes to my mind is that, like, when it comes to purpose, the way that we all, like, accept the definition, like, as a society, like, what you're saying about just living, allowing life to sort of, like, open up to you or you open up to life or just having these, like, just here to be experiencing experience, you know, just over and over again. I feel like that is also a purpose, but people wouldn't say it is. They would say like, you're just living life, you know, you're just living your best life. But like, like you were saying for a lot of day charts, um, you know, especially when I think of like sun in the ninth, sun in the 10th, sun in the 11th, it's like, they really want to, they were like, they want to change the world. They want to impact people. Yeah. <laughs> they want to impact like groups of people they don't find like a group of people they resonate with and be like come on guys like they want to lead and show and like do all this stuff but you know lo and behold us night charts you know having to uh you know having our i guess quote unquote purpose be those interpersonal relationships and those connections that we're nurturing that's the only way that the group like gets to show up in the first place that's the only way that the groups like form for you know let's say a, a chart person to come and lead them and show us the way so it's like what you're saying about the external level thing like that is absolutely a purpose and that that category of purpose it is very important but I think it already has its credits already so when it comes to those internal you know those internal uh energies that need to be like moved and experienced and shifted and of course I'm saying this as a cancer stelium one of my like big big things is like obviously emotion and having to like feel through uh, my feelings feel through emotions and I like used to hate it until I realized like oh my gosh like it feels like I'm doing this because nobody else knows how to do this and it seems like so I don't want to say like it it seems so like people just gloss over like the ability to like feel through like your emotions, but that's a really, really big deal in people's lives. And mm -hmm. understanding that about even my own self and having that be like a, a purpose I consider myself to have. And then me just living as an example of someone who is embodied that way. Like I've seen it happen where people, people meet me and then they come back and they're just like, wow, the way that you just bravely just sit with your emotions, the way that you just raw dog life, like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like it's inspiring to me and it, <laughs> it has is, a ripple it effect, you know, like to, you know, communities and big groups and then society. And it starts with just like the one person. So it feels like, you know, that 
should we consider it a purpose, even though it feels so personal or feels so internal? Um, so yeah, so I just, what, the big thing that I was getting from what you're saying, I mean, obviously snaps to everything, but the big thing was like, I think we should all change what we're thinking of, like what we're putting in the category of like purpose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to yeah. go out and like do something like for the world. Sometimes doing something just for you, like has an effect that you just, can't even fathom, you know, we'll have a, mm-hmm. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Effect, consequence. Yeah. It will touch more people than you think. Impact. Yes, impact. impact. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I don't know how I got impact. that. No, thank you. You read my mind. The word. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And just to kind of wrap this up, to kind of pull it back to your chart, um, Yalis, with your North Node um, on the Descendant with the Moon, if I were to be, well, I am looking at your chart. <laughs> if I were to be speaking to you in a reading or whatever, I would, I would essentially say something like, um, you know, with the South Node on your Ascendant. To me, that speaks to there being patterning, whether you're looking at it as past life or present, you know, early life patterning around. Um, being able to develop the personality, being able to um, develop the identity, really, like understanding who you are and um, developing some independence with who you are, just like there's a solidification of the identity with the South Node in the first. North Node in the seventh really speaks to there needing to be this um, patterning developed around partnering, relating, compromising, being in relationship. Um, and then I would just say to, to that point, like purpose is not always career, right? Like, or the nodes don't always have to do with what we're doing for work. And so, um, your work, you know, we look to your sixth house, the ruler of the sixth house, we're looking at your midheaven, we're looking at, you know, your chart ruler in the sixth house. I bet you're someone who works quite a bit. (laughs) Um, But that doesn't necessarily have to relate to that nodal axis, right? To me, I would say if we're looking at your nodes in terms of quote unquote purpose, it's to partner. Like that's, you're kind of here to experience what it's like to, to partner, to form relationship, right? That could have something to do with your work, but not necessarily. Um, So yeah, I wanted to put that out there. And we got to move on. We're taking too long. (laughs) We're not going to get through all these. So the next one, want to be working girl asks, hi, I've been desperately seeking steady work for several months now. I currently work as a freelance video editor slash filmmaker. My Pluto square Venus transit has literally left me in the negative. Not sure if I should switch careers or how, or just hang in there until the Saturn, until Saturn opposed my Mars Jupiter veers away. Mars-Jupiter conjunction. Um, Many thanks and blessings. This person was born March 5th, 1980 at 1.29 a.m. in Philly. Um, They are Sag rising, 15 degrees Sag. Their chart ruler is Jupiter in Virgo in the 10th house. They also have um, Jupiter. Sorry, I meant to say, yeah, Jupiter in Virgo in the 10th house. It's conjunct Saturn. It's retrograde. It's conjunct Mars, which is also retrograde in Virgo. Both are very close to the North Node in Leo, at 29 Leo. Um, And their Saturn is in the 10th house in Virgo too. So a lot of 10th house um, 
uh, Virgo placements. They have a exact moon um, Pluto conjunction in Libra and the 11th. Their midheaven is at five Libra in the 11th house. That's ruled by um, Venus in Aries in the fifth house. Um, and then they have a sun Mercury conjunction in Pisces in the fourth. Um, Chiron in the sixth too, I think is worth it to note. Yeah. So they're seeking, seeking work. I'm, I'm curious if you might want to pull some cards for this one, Amber. Oh yeah. Um, do you have cards? Yeah, I have cards. Okay. Let me, let me go grab them real quick. Yeah, go grab them. Um, I, Amber has given me one of the most impactful readings I've had, tarot readings I've had in a while. So, um, I think, I think Amber's tarot insight might be helpful here, but just to start with what I'm seeing, you know, when I'm looking at work specifically, it sounds like this is more of a, a work issue for you. Um, when I'm looking at that, I'm looking at the sixth house and the ruler of the sixth house and what's going on with that. Um, you, <laughs> your sixth house is Taurus. Um, you have your part of fortune there. You have Chiron there, pretty much conjunct the part of fortune. And of course, that's all. Well, first of all, let's start with that. Taurus, sixth house. Um, what's happening in Taurus? Well, we've been having eclipses <laughs> for the past year and a half. Um, we have Uranus there. So just off the bat, we know that your, ho- your Taurus house, my Taurus house, anyone's Taurus house has been... Um, going through it over the past couple years and there's just been a lot of instability um and yeah uncertainty in that area of life so understandable um but then we look at to the ruler of your sixth house which is your venus and aries at 28 degrees um immediately i'm thinking okay you're the ruler of your sixth house just got eclipsed a week ago <laughs> so i don't know when you i forget when you sent this in but um I would imagine that that alone is going to signal some major shifts in this arena for you. Um, We also have Jupiter coming to the ruler of your sixth house soon. That's going to happen in May, uh, the the very beginning of May, so the next week or so. Um, So that's something. And then right after that, Jupiter is going to enter into your sixth house too. So to me, I'm, I'm looking at that May period, the entire month, basically, um, because we will have, you know, we're still in retrograde land at that point. We're having that shift. Mercury is going to station direct May 14th. May 16th um, is when Jupiter enters Taurus. And then May 19th, we have a Taurus new moon. So it's like that whole middle week of May, we have so many shifts in relation related to work for you. Um, I, I feel like Venus is going to be, yeah, Venus will be in, in cancer at that point. Um, but yeah, it's going to be moving towards a square to your natal Venus too. And eventually it's going to enter, um, Leo in early June and then station retrograde, um, July 23rd, guess where 29 degrees Leo or 28 degrees Leo, where's that? on your North node and trying your natal Venus. (laughs) I feel like that's probably when you're in a new job personally that by, um, I would say by July, I think it's probably June period. Um, but just to kind of validate, yeah, that Saturn 
transit into your fourth house and opposing your Mars Jupiter. It's not fun um, at all, <laughs> but I'm still, and I think especially because Jupiter is your chart ruler, I'm also ruled by Jupiter and Virgo. I'm feeling you very much right now. Um, <laughs> but again, Venus is responsible here. Venus is responsible for your sixth house. Venus is responsible for your midheaven. Um, I think the fact that your Venus just got eclipsed is like a huge deal because it, it does speak to the, some major changes happening. So let's see what Amber has to say. Um, <laughs> yes. First of all, again, I agree with everything you said there. How you are able to pull out the date so quick like that, man. It's because I've been writing horoscopes. Oh, true, true. So it's like different horoscopes for May with those dates. Right, so it's like so, over yeah. and over and over. Yeah, no, you're so right. I was so good at keeping up with the transits like day to date when I was writing horoscopes. Anywho, um, yeah, I, a, I co-sign everything that Kira just said. And then another thing I think just to note, just like on a, uh, what's it like a metaphysical level, especially because you said like, oh, I'm filling you with the Saturn opposition. Let me tell you something. Saturn oppositions are so not fun. They're so, so not fun. Saturn's already so cold and the opposition is so cold. It literally is you feeling like you're out in the cold. Like if I were to compare it to a tarot card, it's literally like the five of pentacles. It's like, mm -hmm. it, it feels like you like can't see anything. Like you're surrounded by like nothing or like barrenness not to like you know down the mood or anything but I, I know how it feels like siren was opposing my entire cancer stelium for a very long time I got to really know what a Saturn opposition truly feels like um but here's the thing that I also learned Saturn is like a hard ass right it's a hard ass first of all it's in Pisces okay so let's rejoice okay that is being uh led and ruled by wonderful Jupiter who's like lighten up you know Saturn's like I won't lighten up you know I I'll try my best but but I won't um the the other thing like to know is like Saturn hmm. when you're when you're in a Saturn opposition, although it feels like you're surrounded by like, like you just can't see like ways to get out of your situation, Saturn is literally a challenging planet. It's kind of like Mars. Mars or Saturn, when they're touching you, you, there's like some challenge that you need to like face. One of the things about Saturn I find is that you need to really prioritize preparedness, like being prepared do things early, save your money. Uh, if you don't feel like you're going to be able to get to do something, tell people. Um, if you don't feel like you're going to, you know, get all the things done in your own personal schedule, move those to do things, to do lists around, like move them around and just say and accept like your limitations <laughs> and say like, you know, like I can't stretch myself thin. Um, I need to, it's kind of like, it's like focus up. It's like Saturn is like, okay, mm -hmm. focus and like get prepared, do things early. Um, and whenever you can just like basically save, save things for a rainy day, save money for a rainy day, save energy for a rainy day. Um, of course, I understand this question is saying like, oh, you know, I've been put in the negative, you know, things like that. But honestly, I, I hate to say it like this, but like with the Saturn opposition, Saturn is, is saying like, don't focus on that, like focus on how you're going to shift your energy going forward. And that is going to enable me to bring you things that will Okay, sorry, not to get too woo-woo, but Saturn is saying, <laughs> sorry, uh, Saturn is saying, you know, focus on the present. If you can focus your energy on the present right now, disregarding the past, I know it hurts, but just disregarding the past, focus now, that will enable me, Saturn, to bring you opportunities for me 
to help you grow. Therefore, I will bring you, you know, this job. I will bring you this money. I will bring you uh, these things that kind of come with a little caveat. And your job is to just take what Saturn is giving you, take it, siphon some off for a rainy day, as is the lesson of Saturn. Siphon it off so you can be prepared, so you can take care of yourself, so you can think about the future, so you can accept your own limitations. And it's like, in in that way, you will get what you need to move forward, but also grow. It's just, it's almost like accepting the talent. It's almost like Saturn's reaching his hand out and saying like, well, you know, I'll give you this like money, but it will come with the lesson of responsibility. And it's like, man, I need the money. Thank you. Just and just <laughs> shift your perspective into that. That was what was just very helpful for me. Again, I'm sorry if that was a little too woo-woo, um, but yes, so... Now to get to the practical matter, I have these cards and I'm just going to pull a few cards. Kira, what do you think? Should I do like the next like a month or so or should I just do general guidance? Um, I would say, yeah, let's do, let's, when is it? It's, yeah, let's do the next month, like the next month. pretty much May. Maybe let's focus on May because we know that's going to be a big month for them. That is going to be a big month. Oh, want to be working girl? Oh, so yeah. excited. So excited. She got a little, just got a little hit of energy. Want to be working girl? You need to, you need to be ready. Do not. Yes. Absolutely. Don't let Saturn win. Don't, don't fall <laughs> down. Focus up and be like, that's right. I can handle it. I can handle it. Yeah. Um, that's the Aries moon talking. Um, let me pull some three cards. <laughs> three cards for want to be working girl for me. I love the card ASMR. <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you on behalf of the cards. Okay, here we go. And, and the third one. Okay, for May. General guidance for May. General guidance for May for Wanna Be Working Girl. <laughs> Sometimes the cards make us. way too much sense. Let me see if I can hold it up for you, Kara, so you can see. This is the order, the order of the cards. Okay. So can we got seven of coins, four of coins. What was that last one? Strength, baby. Strength. Strength. Okay. First of all, it's a Leo card. What did you just say? What did you just say? Yeah. So I definitely can confirm like something's happening as um who who did you just say move to Leo? Venus. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Venus, Venus is going to move into Leo in June. Yeah. Yeah. And then she retrogrades through Leo. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's a big deal. It's the last card. So it does mean like some effects of it are starting to happen like towards the end of the month. But mm -hmm. I got seven of pentacles. I got the four of pentacles here. Let me just tell you again, the seven of pentacles is about patience. The four of pentacles is literally about holding on to what you have, you know, in, in a in you know a positive expression it's holding on to what you have it's not being attached to it it's not being attached to it it's just holding on to it coveting it and sort of protecting like what you have and, and it, it it does mean in terms of your energy as well as your money it is also about saving money which is like i was just saying i was just saying especially when it comes to saturn transits saturn loves to work in the literal material world um and again not to get woo woo but Money is an expression of energy many, many times in many, many instances. So it's really about that energy shift. Having the seven of pentacles here literally means weight. 
It means continue to wait. It means continue to water what you have around you in the best ways that you can. I'm not saying you need to be all super abundant and like doing all this stuff, like especially if you feel like you can't do that right now. What it is saying though is do what you can and having that little shift makes a huge, huge difference. Um, And then of course we end with strength. Again, all three of these cards are about like, what's the word I'm looking for? Perseverance. They're about perseverance. Mm -hmm. You, it's like, like you truly need to keep going. It's, it's the universe being like, just keep going and shift your mind. Hold on to what you have. Just hold on. Just hold on. Just wait. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) You will. I totally agree. You will get what you what you need but you need to continue to you need to have some stick to right now all three of these cards are saying that that's crazy but it's not that crazy because the cards are accurate um <laughs> and not to mention you know oh, sorry are, do you have do you have something else to add oh i was just saying temperance at the bottom of the deck another patience oh. card yeah another patience card and that's, that's the sag card right it is the sag rising yes it's like yeah. it's talking about you <laughs> Yes, yes. And temperance to me, like what I've, I was taught by Lindsay Mack of Wild Soul Tarot. And um, one thing that she taught about patience, or patience, about temperance is it's about co-creating with spirit. So it's almost this, I like to call it the like let go and let God card, um, because it is so much about like, okay, spirit, I've done what I can in this material plane. Like, I'm giving it up to you to help me with the rest. Um, so keeping that in mind, keeping the fact that the ruler of your 10th house, Mercury, is currently retrograde in your 6th house too, like it, to me, it's giving revise, review, revise, review, um, reconnect, right? So what I'm thinking is, um, well, for, I just wanted to just validate real quick the fact that your Venus is in detriment. <laughs> um, it is the most positive planet in your chart. You were born at night. Your Venus is very, very, um, it's an, it's an evening star. It is in the fifth house where it rejoices. Like it's a, although it's in not the best sign for it, it's actually in pretty good condition otherwise. And I just, I really think this Venus retrograde is going to be really important for you, but just to kind of echo what um, Amber was saying, like the pause, the just hold on to what you have, the waiting is really important here because I also think things are coming for you. It's just a matter of time, literally. Um, And Saturn makes everything feel slow. It makes you feel like you're trapped. It makes you feel like you're limited. It makes you feel like there's no way out. It's very like eight of swords energy. Um, the Saturn opposition, I think, especially coming from your fourth and like opposing your chart ruler and your Mars, all of that, it's not easy. Um, but what was I going to say? Yeah, I just feel like, oh, this is what I wanted to validate. Okay. I wanted to validate that Venus. Um, but also the fact that Venus is responsible for your work and career and again, in detriment, um, I would look at your chart and say, well, you're certainly supposed to be in this in a creative field. Like that to me is pretty obvious. Um, it's also when you see a planet in detriment like that ruling your work and your career and your public image, it's expect to do things differently than everyone else. And don't try to do things like everyone else in your life are doing it. Like, don't even try because it's not going to work. And um, this is coming from someone with the ruler of 
all their angles and detriment. Um, trying to do it, trying to do things the way that your peers are gonna that your peers are doing it. Trying to follow the way that your peers are achieving success isn't going to work for you. I don't know what that means, what that might mean for you, but kind of sit with that. And also, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, just knowing that you're like, you're probably going to be, how do I put this? Well, let me just say this. I'll, I'll just say this. Venus rolling the 11th <laughs> and all these Venus activations happening, like community is so important. Your network is so important. Take this retrograde time to reach out to people in your network. Um, you don't have to say like, I'm broke, I desperately need a job or anything like that, but let them know that you're looking, um, establish those just like, like reestablishing connections. That's what Mercury, the ruler of your seventh house of clients and connections retrograde is so good for, um, is for bringing you like bringing people from your past back into your realm. And you never know who might, you know, have a connection to, a job for you. So I'm saying use this retrograde the next last the next three weeks or whatever of this retrograde to connect and reconnect and um, talk to people and form new connections because it's important, I think, for for the next steps for you. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we have time for one more. Um, I would do way more, but I have I have a reading so um, <laughs> and I think like the two of us just we can we'll end up talking for three, three hours very if, true if we let ourselves <laughs> um so let's see I'm trying to decide which one I want to do here I'm thinking do you have do you have a preference between three four and five I am looking right now I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards five but I would do whichever one you're more interested in. Oh no, you choose, you choose. Um uh, I don't know if this is like the right one to do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this, so let's do this. Okay, okay. Um, let's there spend our last 15 minutes on this. So the last one we'll answer today is called EA versus Hellenistic Dilemma. They say, Hey Kira. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you so much for opening yourself up to questions. I'm at a crossroads in my astrological studies, and I'm hoping you might be able to offer some insight. I've been deep in my astrological studies for about four years now. My foundation is the astrology podcast. I love Chris Brennan. I love the whole sign house system, and I have built myself a successful client base from giving readings using traditional methods and techniques. So for years, I have felt very loyal to Hellenistic astrology. Understandable. However, I received a reading from an evolutionary astrologer a year ago that had me sobbing. She streamlined six years of therapy into an hour-long session, and I was shook. Since then, I have been studying under the renowned astrologer, and I'm loving it, but EA is so different from traditional astrology, and it's making my head spin. I'm reluctant to use modern rulership, and it feels wrong to use the 12 archetypes to describe the houses, but... The use slash understanding of Pluto and the nodes in EA feels profoundly invaluable. My question for you is, is there anything in my chart that indicates if I'm better suited to be an evolutionary astrologer versus a Hellenistic astrologer? Thank you. This person um, is born March 1st, 1992 at 1034 p.m. in Powell River, British Columbia. 
They're one degree Scorpio rising, ruled by Mars and Aquarius in the fourth house, conjunct the IC. They also have Saturn very close by, 13 Aquarius, Venus at 15 Aquarius, the moon at 16 Aquarius, so fourth house Aquarius stellium. This person was born a couple of days before my best friend because I have, I, I know this chart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they also have a Pisces sun, obviously, in the fifth house, Mercury and Pisces in the fifth, um, and Jupiter in Virgo in the 11th. So, yes. You I attract mean, so many Jupiter and Virgo. I've literally I never, like, <laughs> I have, like, one person in my life who's a Jupiter and Virgo. Oh, and you, two people me? in my life who's a Jupiter <laughs> and Virgo, but it seems like you talk like It's just 1991ers. People. It must be. Yeah, okay, I guess. It must be. <laughs> This is 1992, but yeah, the other person was, I guess, yeah, I guess I do attract them a lot. <laughs> you guys, like, stick and stay with each it's other. It's in my seventh house. It. Oh, true. That's so true. <laughs> it makes sense, right? It totally makes sense. They're like, mm, there's something about her. There's something about her. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really wanted to answer this question because um, it's something that comes up a lot, and I've seen, um, I've seen talks about it on Twitter and stuff, so... I wanted to address this because I have feelings about it. I have <laughs> feelings about this. Um, first of all, I wanted to say like, you're not alone in this. Um, I, I too have had, well, first I started with evolutionary astrology. That's kind of like was the foundation of my practice before I got into traditional. Um, but I've had readings from evolutionary astrologers that have been, you know, mind blowing that have left me crying that have been so insanely impactful. Um, and yeah, I get it. I get what you're where you're coming from. At the same time, there's the the use of um, what we call the twelve letter alphabet or ABC astrology, um, which is essentially equating um, planets to signs to houses. So they'll typically say Aries is the first house. And like Mars and Aries in the first house are kind of all the same. <laughs> and then Venus and Taurus in the second house, you know, they all have the same themes. Um, us Hellenistic traditional leaning astrologers pretty much are vehemently against that um, because it, in my opinion, there's there's not a lot of nuance. Um, you can't really get a lot of nuance in your delineations when you're using that that method. And it's sort of I'm against teaching it because it is hard to unlearn. It's it's kind of difficult to unlearn. So, and it sounds like you're you're in that um, that camp too, EA versus Hellenistic dilemma. Um, but again, there's this undeniable um, part of evolutionary astrology. There's un undeniable like impact of evolutionary astrology, and it's like you know how to how to reconcile that. Um, I personally, this is why I have words about it, because I've been thinking about this for many years. <laughs> and I personally just believe that you can do both. And I don't understand why it's so hard. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get why it's so hard to do both. I don't understand why it's so hard for evolutionary. I mean, I, sh I shouldn't say that. Let me rewind. Let me, let me chill. I think that it is entirely possible for evolutionary astrologers to um, to incorporate traditional um, fundamentals into their practice without um, 
without it being too disruptive. And by that, I mean, I think it is entirely possible to, one, use Holstein houses, two, use traditional rulerships um, and not modern rulerships, and three, incorporate the nodes and Pluto and the outer planets as important pieces to the chart without using them as rulers of houses and signs. Um, I think it's I think it's totally possible. And <laughs> I'm not saying this to you as like, why don't you get it? But I'm more I'm saying this as it is so possible. And why aren't we already there? Like, why aren't we doing that? This is a kind of a newer branch of astrology, I think. I'm calling it contemporary astrology because I think that's kind of what I describe, how I describe what I do. Um, cause I do certainly incorporate a lot of modern, um, you know, techniques into my practice that is primarily rooted in Hellenistic tradition. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm basically saying like, go for it, go for the, the, the synergy of the two, because it's about time. <laughs> it's about time. We like, we have more people actively practicing that way. Um, I, I don't have a evolutionary framework anymore. It's just not, I diverted away from it, but um, I think it's totally possible. I just, I get kind of upset with evolutionary astrologers when they act like it's not possible to use like traditional rulerships. I'm like, I I don't know. I, that, yeah, that's, (laughs) that's my thoughts about it. Um, And then just in terms of your chart, um, your chart to me, like it, it's so Saturn, it's so t- Saturnian, um, it's so rooted and grounded in this Aquarius fourth house with Saturn and Mars, like kind of straddling your IC. Like to me, that is so traditional astrology. Like, the, and the reason I say that is because traditional astrology provides um, the a structure that I think can be so. Um, it can be so grounding for people who have a lot of Saturn, people who have like kind of, you know, heavy Malefica that um, are looking for that, the Saturnian structure basically in their intellectual pursuits, which again, this is all Aquarius for you. Um, The ruler of your ninth house is that moon in Aquarius. So I think that is probably why you've been so drawn to traditional and the structure that traditional provides and the history, the tradition (laughs) that traditional astrology provides. Um, but you have this, you know, you have a Pisces sun, you have a Pisces Mercury in the fifth house. I can understand why these more, the a more emotional and therapeutic, um, elements of evolutionary astrology, astrology speaks to you like profoundly. Um, that makes a ton of sense to me. So again, I'm like, do both. That's my, <laughs> that's my, um, that's my plea is to, is to start incorporating both and call it whatever you want to call it. But um, there's no reason why you should have to do one or the other, in my, in my opinion. What do you think, Amber? Girl, I have a lot of thoughts. Okay, a lot of thoughts. Because first of <laughs> all, going to do it. <laughs> first of all, how you mentioned their like whole Aquarius stelium an evolutionary astrologer might say that's actually ruled by Uranus, which is very forward thinking and very expansive. And so therefore they should go for evolutionary astrology. But listen, here's the thing. Actually, first, let me note something to both of you. Um, 
The idea of being... <laughs> don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't say anything. Leave me out. The idea of being loyal to one astrology practice is so Scorpio-like to me. <laughs> I was, like, looking at this chart, like, okay, Aquarius is fixed. Yeah, like, okay. But Pisces, like, I don't know. Like, they, you know, blended things together. And I saw that one degree Scorpio rising. Like, oh, no wonder. The idea of, like, being like, oh, which one should I do? Like, I have to be loyal. Eh, I am a Cancer Celium and Aries Moon and Virgo Mars. And I'm like, <laughs> listen, whatever is going to make sense is going to make sense. Okay, when it's wherever it's going to make sense, it's going to make sense. This person has seen that traditional astrology has provided, you know, a framework and a grounding for them that feels safe, that feels good and feels... One thing about traditional astrology, it's nice and predictable. You can use it to, you know, like literally predict things. You can use it to, um, you know, sort of help find that guidance that feels very comforting. But at the same time, they've also had this experience with an evolutionary astrologer, six years of therapy crammed into like an hour long reading. That's a little, that's a little crazy. That's, that's very notable. <laughs> so it's, it's significant. It's special. And so obviously there are some, you know, truths to these things. And I, for one, I don't believe that we make these new discoveries of, you know, these patterns and these new planets for nothing. You know, I think that that they are basically just a gateway to um, not, you know, we haven't had as much experience noticing the patterns of like Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, et cetera, et cetera, as we have for the planets that we can see. But at the same time, we're building up to that, noticing where these planets, you know, are. Me personally, I'm like you, Kira. Um, I love traditional astrology. I love evolutionary astrology. Me personally, I love astrology. I like knowing what's going on. I like knowing what the planets are saying. I like hearing, you know, the interpretations of it and um, noticing what the patterns have, have been when, you know, certain planets uh, touch your chart in certain ways. Um, so first of all, yes, I'm going to co-sign. You need to do, you just need to do both. You need to do both because when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, First of all, I think, again, from either side, evolutionary astrology or traditional astrology, to reject that either one has like some truth in it, to say that, no, that's not true. That's literally so crazy. Like you as a Pisces sun and a Pisces Mercury, you 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 should know, like there's a little piece of truth in every single thing, but you are a Pisces sun, you're a Pisces Mercury, you're a Scorpio rising. Those water signs really are so intuitive. I bet you know, I bet you know which piece of information is most relevant to what you're looking at each time you're looking at it. I bet you know what energy is coming through. I bet you already know. You're asking us for guidance, but I bet you already know. Second of all, I feel like when you're looking at, <laughs> I feel like when you're looking at different different things, if you're looking at uh, why you're feeling the way you're feeling versus like, um, you know, when will I be in my next relationship versus, uh, uh, you know, mundane astrology, what's happening with the world. Each, you know, each practice, traditional astrology and evolutionary astrology has a place for, you know, each, each thing that you're doing. So it may not be helpful to uh, get a little like spaced out and woo woo when you're trying to look at you know, predicting a date of when something on a global scale will happen. I don't think <laughs> it's like very helpful. But on the flip side, it is very helpful when, you know, you're wondering about your spiritual path and you're looking at things that are a little bit more metaphysical. In that way, I believe, you know, those th the, the practices kind of have to blend. They have to blend because, they, again, it almost feels like 
how dare you reject one <laughs> one truth over the other when you need to use your internal truth to sort of figure out what is most aligned um, at that time. Um, and then, oh, there is something else I wanted to say. There's something else I wanted to say about, oh, uh, yes, I think, uh, I know it's a lot of information, but I think we all just need to hold it in our brains and just learn more. Like, just have it in your brain <laughs> and just figure out when it applies. You know, like, the more you do this stuff, the more the answers become obvious. You may not be able to predict everything down to a T and you're not meant to, but they become so, so obvious as to like what we're talking about. In fact, sometimes they're, uh, you know, almost exactly the same. Like on the one hand, having a chart that has a bunch of Aquarius, a traditional astrologer, you know, might say, uh, plus the Pisces, a traditional astrologer might say, well, you know, uh, Saturn, Saturn is very traditional and it needs a lot of structure. So therefore stick with traditional astrology, but you have the Pisces and that can open you up to, you know, a lot of different practices and the ability to see the truth in them. Um, on the flip side, an evolutionary astrologer would say, well, you know, Uranus rules Aquarius. So therefore, you know, you need to learn the basic stuff, but using that, you know, traditional background, that is what you need to do to like break through. You're always meant to break through because you have Uranus so prominent in your chart and you have the Pisces. You're meant to just incorporate everything. Thing. It's very, it's like Neptune. You want to get every uh, piece of information sort of blended together. Either way, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, right? If the astrology is correct, at the end of the day, you're going to come to the same conclusion. And I think that's the point, you know? So don't, don't, don't choose because it feels safer. Go big and just do it all because <laughs> you'll wind up Absolutely. having, thank you, Kira. You'll wind up having more answers <laughs> that way and you'll start to be able to feel, you know, what makes sense and what doesn't but truly use use your water placements to your advantage in that way seriously um anyway that's all i had to say <laughs> i totally agree um yeah i this is an exciting time for you especially with um you know saturn your saturn return over and now it's in your fifth house and you can kind of like breathe a little bit <laughs> Saturn off of your, off of your stellium. I mean, of course it's coming for your, your sun and Mercury, but not this year. Um, so this is probably a good time to sort of, yeah, start getting creative with how you're incorporating both, but we both say go for both. Um, Period. Awesome. I really, I really wish we could do one more, but We'll have to come. We'll have to do another one sometime soon. Um, yeah, this was fun. I love to. Yeah, I love to have you back. This is so fun. Thank you so much, Amber, and thank You're you welcome. for everyone for that submitted um, questions. You can continue to submit. Go to Kira. Sorry, yeah, Kira dot world o r l d slash ask a s k. Um, and there'll be a form that you can fill out to submit your questions. We also really want some hashtag astrologer good stories. So if you have any fun, um, or not so fun stories <laughs> about astrology transits and how they hit you and how they just like hit really hard and the astrology was just kind of mind blowing of it all. Love to hear those and share those. Um, thank you so much for joining Amber. You're welcome. I had fun. <laughs> Do you want to let people know how they can find you and oh, yes. yeah, what kind of services you have? Um, yes. So uh, you can hit me up. 
you can hit me up. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Amber J lights the way that's Amber J A Y lights the way W A Y. Um, I offer tarot services. Um, you have to slide in my DMS. Um, astrology services is only by word of mouth right now, but if you know someone who knows me, hit me up, hit me up. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and then of course, you know, I, you know, also, kind of cool you can follow me personally it's amber cj amber c j a y i have a personal instagram too if you want to you know just watch me look pretty <laughs> yeah do you want to tell people what you do outside of astrology yes i'm a television writer <laughs> that's like cool. uh that's that's the if you look at my birth chart that's like my job <laughs> like writing and uh basically telling stories figuring things out uh getting to like the details of things in a creative way um so that brought me to uh being a writer um but also if you look at my birth chart you can see like you know my higher callings uh you know spiritualist astrologer yeah. um tarot reader human design practitioner adding that little nugget onto there now um but yeah yeah right <laughs> awesome well, be sure to follow Amber, hit her up for those tarot readings. Again, one of the best tarot readings I've ever had I had from Amber earlier this year. So um, definitely do that. And stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks, Amber. No problem. See y'all later. Bye, friends. <laughs>